listening to the audio-only version of American RVer. To see the video podcast, go to AmericanRVer.com and click on the video link for the show on the homepage. Thanks for joining us on American RVer. On this show, Peggy heads for the RV kitchen and shows you how to make a great tasting dessert, tiramisu. On our Friends Across America segment, we speak with Marv and Lorraine Rankin. We discuss their near disaster when the refrigerator caught fire and due to quick thinking was extinguished. They'll tell you the whole story. So let's get right to the show. Welcome to this edition of American RVer. Since we're heading into the spring season, I thought it would be fun to make a nice dessert. Now, if you're an Italian fan, you like Italian foods, you probably like Italian desserts, and one of the most famous Italian desserts is tiramisu. And so many of us think that it's so difficult to make that we couldn't possibly make it at home. Well, one of my RVing friends shared with me her recipe for tiramisu, and I thought I'd show you how to make it today. First thing we're gonna do is start off with three egg yolks. Save the whites for later. You can have an egg white omelet in the morning. Don't throw those away. Of course, they're really good for you. We're gonna start with the three egg yolks and uh, just beat those. Now, I like to use room temperature ingredients. I think they just mix together a lot better. I'm also gonna add to those egg yolks one half teaspoon of cornstarch, which I'm actually gonna mix with three tablespoons of sugar first, because I hate to have clumpy cornstarch. And uh, add that to my egg yolks, stir that up. Also, I'm gonna add three tablespoons of milk. Now, the recipe calls for whole milk. Okay, I don't drink whole milk anymore. I do drink 1%, so I'm gonna go ahead and use that, but I'm not gonna skimp on the cream because we do need that heavy um, milk or cream texture that you're gonna get from the heavy whipping cream. So three tablespoons of milk, a one half teaspoon of cornstarch and three tablespoons of sugar mixed into the three egg yolks. Now all I'm gonna do is get those nice and blended and then I'm actually gonna set those aside for about 10 minutes just to let everything blend. And while I'm doing that, I'm gonna mix together the rest of my milk and the heavy cream. So let me finish mixing that up. We'll put that back behind me and let that sit and then go to our cream. Now you wanna put that in a bowl that can take some heat. I'm not gonna put that in the oven, I'm not gonna put it on the stove, but I am gonna add some hot ingredients to it. So make sure you've got a nice solid bowl that can actually handle the heat. The next step with the milk and the heavy cream is heat, actually. So this is two thirds of a cup of milk minus the three tablespoons that I put in with the egg yolks. And then I'm also gonna add two thirds of a cup of the heavy cream. Use whatever brand you like. It's just whatever your grocery store is happening to carry. Cream is cream. It's always luscious and delicious. And we're gonna go ahead and mix those together. And we're gonna put those on medium heat just to get them to simmer. And once that's simmered and hot, we're actually gonna set that aside for about 10 minutes just to give it a little coolness. And uh, once that's cooled, we'll add it to our egg yolks. So let me get that started. 
what you want to do is just let this simmer. You don't want it to boil, and simmering means just a little bubbling going around the edge of the pan. So when you get to that simmering stage, go ahead and shut that off, and we're going to cover that and take it off of the heat and let it sit for 10 minutes. So what we're really making here is a custard. Um, we've already got our egg yolks and a little bit of milk and some sugar and some cornstarch whipped together. You know, you probably notice the size of my little um, whisk. You know, we're in an RV. I didn't feel like I needed a really big one and this has pretty much done the job for everything I've needed to do. Once we've waited that 10 minutes, what we're gonna do is uncover that and you can see that it's still a little warm. Um, by covering it, we kind of reduce the amount of skin that will form on the top of milk because you know how when you heat that up, it can form a skin. We're going to add it just a very little bit at a time because what you don't want to do is cook those egg yolks right here in the bowl. So if you add it just a little bit at a time, it kind of cuts the heat and we can get those mixed nicely and then we can begin to make our custard. Again, just a little bit at a time. Keep stirring the whole time. You don't want to cook those egg yolks before they're ready to be cooked. So this is such a great dessert and there's really only three steps to it. You're mixing your egg yolks, you're gonna heat up your milk and your cream, and then you're gonna assemble everything. And of course, with tiramisu, one of the main ingredients is coffee. And what they say to do in the recipe is to have a strong coffee and we're going to dip our lady fingers into it. Now we have a Gavalia coffee, which is really awesome. And I made it just a little bit stronger than normal. So I don't think Jim will be drinking that. He's the coffee drinker in our family. I don't drink it, but I love how it smells. Okay, I've mixed all of my egg yolks and my milk together and I can feel that it's not very warm, but it is slightly warm. Now what I'm gonna do is go ahead and put that back in the pan and I'm going to now cook this over very low heat and I'm gonna stir it constantly for five minutes. And once that's done, I'll show you what this custard's gonna look like and what you should expect to see when you're done with your five minute time period for cooking. And then we're gonna go ahead and assemble the rest of the tiramisu. Okay, I have let this cook for five minutes and it is just a nice, light, creamy custard. What you wanna see is it want, you want it to just coat the back of a spoon, just like that. See, it doesn't fall off, there's a little bit of dripping. It's really just a nice, light, not overly thick custard. So that's ready to go, except I'm gonna add just a um, teaspoon of vanilla to that Give it a little bit extra flavor. Of course, you know I get my vanilla from Mexico, so you know that that's very good. Stir that in. And then our next step in the process, once we've got our custard ready to go, I'm just gonna let that sit there. If you wanted to get like a white vanilla, you could too. You know, say Wilton makes some of that clear vanilla that they use when they're making frostings. It doesn't change the color of the custard all that much, but it does darken it just a little bit if you use a regular vanilla. Now, of course, the trick to tiramisu is finding ladyfingers. Ladyfingers look like this. And I'm telling you, I at first, not today, but in, in a previous time, I didn't really know what ladyfingers were like. They're kind of a cake-like uh, 
not really a cookie, but really more of a sponge cake. And uh, I found these at the bakery section of the grocery store and they had them back in the freezer. So I basically, you know, just got them from the bakery. It wasn't, it's not in the aisle where all the cookies are that you would think they were. Trust me, I looked. What we're gonna do is go ahead and cut each of these lengthwise and we're gonna dip them in that strong coffee that I talked about. I'm thinking about it and I'm not sure if you really need to cut those in half. I probably will. I think because it's gonna get more of the coffee flavor absorbed into the sponge rather than um, you know just being on the surface. So what I'm gonna do is go ahead and cut each of these lady fingers lengthwise and then we'll come back and we'll dip them into the coffee and then we're gonna layer everything. All right, I've got all my lady fingers cut up and you can see it's quite a pile. I'm gonna put them in just a kind of a nine by 13 pan. Doesn't need to have any grease or anything because you're not baking it. We're basically putting it in the refrigerator afterwards. So I've got my strong coffee. My first step now is going to be to dip these in the coffee. Yes, I washed my hands ahead of time, but let me get something to pull those out with. Maybe just a fork. You can see how that uh, don't leave it in too long because it actually will disintegrate on you. So I guess be careful, I learned a lesson there too. Just very quickly put it in the coffee and then immediately get it into the pan. Once we've layered all of those into the pan, uh, what we're gonna do for our first layer is gonna be the lady fingers. Our next layer will be the custard. And then our final layer will be the uh, grated chocolate that I have and we haven't even talked about that yet. That was given to me by a friend and it's a Nebraska baker's chocolate. It's a very nice sweet chocolate, kind of like a milk chocolate flavor. And that's gonna be the finishing touch to this. Look at how great this chocolate looks. It comes in a square and I just grated it. And uh, you can always add more chocolate because you can never have too much chocolate in my opinion. And once it's done, look at that. That is absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to, to try it. But I can't try it right now because it needs to sit in the refrigerator for about two hours. You want that to set up and be a nice semi-firm um, dessert. And I tell you, you're gonna be the envy of all your friends and neighbors because it is delicious. Okay, listen, I really hope you enjoy your tiramisu. I hope it comes out as good as this one looks. I'm going to refrigerate it for a couple of hours and then we're gonna try it. So make sure you plan ahead with this dessert if you're bringing it somewhere, you need that two hour of chilling time. Uh, if you want the recipe for tiramisu, go to our homepage, www.americanrver.com and just click on the link for the recipes and you too can enjoy this great dessert. We'll be right back with more of American RVer. We'll return with friends across America after the commercial break. An RV service facility and dealership should put the customer first. The service writers, office staff, techs, and salespeople must be geared towards making the customer happy and coming up with solutions for any problem. This customer-first attitude is found in the Southeast's best sales and service center, Alliance Coach. Customer service sets Alliance Coach apart from other dealerships. With full-service bays, a customer campground and lounge, reasonable rates, and knowledgeable staff, they guarantee your satisfaction. Experience a different kind of RV service center. Experience Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida. Welcome back to this segment of American RV, or Friends Across America. 
today we're catching up with Marv and Lorraine Rankin and they're full-time RVers and we have um, some special information to give you on this show. Thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Yeah, now you're full-time RVers. How long have you been full-time? Eight years. Eight years, mm -hmm. awesome. Eight years. Yeah, what made you decide to choose this lifestyle? It's something Marv wanted to do for a long, long time, and then I finally gave in. Um, uh -huh. After I realized it was what he wanted to do and we weren't getting any younger, and if we were ever going to do it, it had to be done then. I told him going down the road on our way to Napa, California, and when I decided that we were going to go back, put the house on the market, I thought he was going to drive right into the ditch. He was so surprised. <laughs> so that was the last thing you expected to have out of Lorraine's mouth? Probably. <laughs> Now, what was your hesitation? Was it family in the area or just wanting those roots? I guess just the, the decision of what are we gonna do with all our stuff. Mm. Um, we'd lived there, uh, well, all our married lives in, in the central Iowa area. And um, I, I guess it was just the idea that uprooting and moving onto, onto this. And, mm -hmm. But it's been fine ever since. And have you continued to just travel the country, or do you go and spend a certain number of months in one location and then spend months somewhere else? We're five months in Arizona. Oh, okay. Um, then back to central Iowa, but we're in and out of a campground there, so we're still traveling, but then we kind of gravitate back to the home spot. Right, and you probably do your traveling on the way to and from those locations. And visiting children, our, our five children are scattered, and so we visit one or the other of the daughters. The boys are still in central Iowa, but mm -hmm. one or other of the daughters on the way down, and so it works out. And do you find that you have a new family now, that you're full-time RVers? We have an Arizona family. Uh -huh. We add to and sometimes subtract from. Uh, we're very active in an RV club back home, and some of those people are with us in the winter, and mm -hmm. so we never really lose contact with yeah. them. That's what we found, is it, it just becomes another family, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we've seen more of our family in the years that we've been RVing full-time than we ever did in the other 20 years that we've been married. Yeah, yeah. so we enjoy that too. Now, you had some special circumstances um, before we met up with you this time, and it had to do with your refrigerator. And I know a lot of you out there are contemplating, what do we do with our refrigerator? We've heard pros and cons about the propane refrigerator versus residential refrigerator. Enlighten us on your story with your refrigerator. The refrigerator was on electric and the neighbor came over and said that there was a flash, he thought in our water heater. Uh-huh. And I said, no, that's my refrigerator catching a fire. And immediately I went outside. His brother was also there visiting him. They were both Canadians. And the fellow that put out the fire force worked in an oil patch in Canada. He took the cover off of the refrigerator on the oh. side of the coach. Mm -hmm. And as he hit the fire with a fire extinguisher, the fire was coming out of the roof <gasps> a foot high. Oh my gosh. And it was over. Because he got rid of the source of the flame. Mm -hmm. And, it, and mm -hmm. another minute, it had been disaster. Oh man. You hear about all those stories where 
it starts and within seconds it's up in the roof line and then from there it's yeah. throughout the whole coach so you're counting your blessings we're that it actually fortunate. was caught we were inside and had no clue that any of this was happening yeah, you didn't hear any noise no. or Nothing. anything no. not a thing when he went out and he mentioned fire i turned around and back in the hallway where the refrigerator is located there was gray smoke just kind of swirling up i ran through that went back got my purse always important you know yes <laughs> grabbed a sweatshirt pulled a, a, a little case that we keep passports documents registrations those sorts of things pulled that out of a cabinet up here in front and outside i went well, by that time the fire was out but had we waited for the fire department it would have been a total loss Absolutely yeah and total your loss. neighbors might have been on fire as well well it was our car and then their car was the next one on the lot and um, you know how far that would have gone if someone hadn't gotten the propane tank turned off oh see now there's something to think about but you get so excited i couldn't find the place to turn it <laughs> off Oh. And he knows full well where it Pops is. on but... the wrong side of the coach. No. Oh, no kidding. And, yeah. and this fellow from Canada says, well, I'll take care of it, Marv. Don't worry. And you went right over shut it off. Come in and shut all your electric off so there's no more juice. No coming. power That's for right. it to capture. Yes. Coach. I mean, it was a blessing because he was there and he caught oh, it in yes. time. Now, what did you do to get back in your coach? What had to be done? And the first night we weren't able to stay in it the smoke was just way too dense and then there was a terrific smell of ammonia or refrigerant or something right oh. back in the hallway we when we left we did open every window in the coach and turned all three exhaust fans on and just left them run all night so then it got to the point where we could stay in it the next night um, that was on a sunday evening so monday morning called the insurance people went through that then started hunting for a place to repair it. And um, our second stop was at RV Renovators in Mesa, Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately, they were just calm as could be. We've just finished a coach that had the same similar circumstances. Uh, you tell us what kind of a refrigerator you want to replace this with. Uh, if you want to, you can go and find it yourselves, which uh, they recommended. They came out, um, well, then to bring the coach down right away, mm -hmm. which we did. And as soon as we had it down there, they gave us measurements. And we went on the hunt and found uh, a household residential refrigerator that mm -hmm. would fit that spot and turned it over to them. So you moved into a hotel or something for how long? No, no, you didn't. No. They allowed us to stay on the premises. They had oh. us hooked up to 50 amp, 50 and amp. Um, we had a key to the security gates at night so we could come and go after they had uh, closed the business for the evening. Um, very accommodating. We, we just couldn't have asked for any better service and help and reassurance that this was okay. It was going to get taken care of. They've done it before. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm guessing anything that was in the refrigerator was a loss. Luckily, we were able to take all of our things out of the freezer and the people in the park where we were staying were gracious enough. They had freezer space in their commercial freezers there in the oh, park great. kitchen and uh -huh. allowed us to store that for that period of time. Um, everything else in the in the uh, regular refrigerator section 
we lost pretty much all yeah, of that. Cause yeah, because that kind of burned a hole through the back of the refrigerator? It created a, from the heat, it, it kind of melted the back. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's quite the story. Now, um, did they have to cut the cabinet, build framework around it? We have a furnace under where the old refrigerator sat. They had to lower that surface between the furnace and where the refrigerator was going mm -hmm. to stay. Um, About three inches. There was some okay. rebuilding that had to be done because of smoke and uh, charring on the inside of that mm -hmm. enclosure where the refrigerator mm -hmm. sat. So some of that had to be um, new, ceiling new, new ceiling, new drywall around the wall edges oh. and so on, and plus that floor And then up to the roof line, did they have to do something up on the roof from okay. the flames that went up there? Just a new vent. And, oh, okay. and a little bit of sanding on yeah. that fiberglass oh, roof. Oh, okay. Some and you are so lucky. Seven. Now, if someone else is out there and they're RVers and they've got, um, you know, one of the regular refrigerators that comes with it, what are your recommendations now that you've been through this? Number one, get all the recalls done that are being, being offered. offered. Recommended. Um, mm -hmm. And keep the paperwork because the first thing the insurance people asked us, did you have recalls taken care of? And of course we had. Do you have the paperwork? Well, I dug around and luckily I did find where we had had it, uh, the last recall done and they wanted that fax to them. Of course, if the coach goes up in flames, you have nothing to prove. <laughs> but, right, um, yeah. Luckily, we, we could produce those documents. Um, you know, other than that, and consider uh, a residential refrigerator. We have many friends that were fearful of just the same thing happening and went ahead and put residential refrigerators in. Um, we talked about it over the summer, but oh, well, we'll get around to it. Oh, yeah, I'm afraid we might be in that same boat. So we're <laughs> going to think about changing that out. Um, do you worry at all about battery power with the new refrigerator versus the old one? That refrigerator on the road coming over here from Arizona was wonderful. It just stayed with the doors never being open. The ice in the, re, in the freezer was just as hard as it was when we started when out. When we started. So, and you weren't running it? No. No. No, no kidding. Wow. Uh, I got into it at noon to, yep. to get something uh, cool to drink. Mm -hmm. and. Um, something to make a sandwich with, but then closed it right back up and the temperature stayed right where it oh, was when we great. started. So it was way more efficient than uh, e what the other one Efficiency, is. and they claim it does take less uh, power than than the gas propane oh, no or kidding. gas yeah. electric. Um, oh, wow. So. so there are a lot of advantages to going that route, including reducing danger of a fire in the back of your room. Peace of mind. Peace of mind, there you go. That's worth more than anything. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thank you, Marvin Lorraine, for sharing your story. And maybe some of you who are out there who have the uh, typical refrigerators that come in an RV may want to consider what you've just heard and, and maybe make that change. But at least be aware that something can happen. And uh, hopefully it won't happen to you. And hopefully you'll never have any more issues with anything in your RV. <laughs> you're, you're over and done, right? Thank you. <laughs> hopefully. And enjoy your future travels. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for joining us on this edition of American RVer.
For the best RV sales and service center in the southeast, call Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida at 866-888-8941 or go to www.alliancecoach.com.